Hello and welcome to the Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Rupert McConnick, founder and EP at Seville Productions. Today we're interviewing Dr. Marcus Collins, head of strategy at Wyden & Kennedy, New York, and a professor of marketing at the University of Michigan. Welcome, Marcus. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, lovely to lovely to chat with you. So tell us a little bit about your background, your experience working with major brands. Like where are you from and how did you get into this business and how did you end up in such oh, well. an elevated position? Yeah, it's a, that's a story for you. Well, you know, I'm 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 not of the advertising and marketing world, actually. Product of Detroit, Michigan, and went into engineering because that's kind of what you did if you did well in math and science. Realized it wasn't the right thing for me. My parents didn't care and said, you're going to finish that engineering degree. So I did that. And once I finished, um, I went into the music industry, which is what I really wanted to do. Uh, did a music startup that was doing okay until it wasn't like lots of startups tend to, to do. And I went back to school to get my MBA at the University of Michigan, um, studying strategic brand management. Out of there, I ended up working at Apple, doing partner marketing for iTunes, moved to New York um, to run digital strategy for Beyonce, and then found my way in the world of, of advertising agencies, starting at Big Fuel, a pure play social media agency, then went to Translation, Steve Stout's advertising agency, which really became sort of a major inflection point for me, kind of taking all these experiences that I had that seemed to be somewhat disparate and disconnected and bringing them together to look at brands and branded products through a different lens. Um, from there, I went to donor, decided to, to pursue a, 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 doctor, a doctoral degree, um, and then found myself here at Wyden Kennedy running strategy here in, in, uh, in the New York office. And for me, it's really the alchemy of all these experiences that I've had, having one foot in the world of academia, one foot in the world of practice, helping bridging the gap between the things that we rigorously investigate as, as, as academic scholars and applying it into real meaningful, uh, applicable ways for, for brands. Wonderful. Um, so through your years of experience, what, what motivates people to action? What do you, what do you think drives people to, to you know, follow a brand's message? I think the, the most influential driver for humanity is culture, right? Culture being the system of beliefs uh, symbols and norms that demarcate people who they are and what the expectations of of their of, of, of their behavior should be. And because culture sort of acts as the governing operating system of man, brands that are able to harness the power of culture are able to influence behavior in a very predictable manner, considering how predictable uh, uh, the influence of culture had is on us. So we think about what motivates behavior. It's really about, about being aligned with our identity and our behaviors. And there's a consumer, a consumer behavior, a consumer motivation process that, that the literature tells us that's driven by unmet needs. None of unmet needs ends up sparking tension and therefore we are motivated to act. But those actions, those things that we decide to do are all mediated by our disposition and our cultural affiliation. 
So the better we understand the beliefs that people hold, the artifacts that are meaningful, the behaviors that are normative and the language that they use, understanding how these things drive what we buy, where we go, how we adorn ourselves, how we marry, who we marry, how we bury the dead, all these things that are just kind of a part of our normal living are demarcated by our cultural subscription. And therefore, it creates the most powerful motivator to get people to move. Fantastic. So how has the effectiveness of, of traditional advertising changed in recent years? Obviously, we've gone from an analog world to a digital world in the last 20 years. So how has that changed what we all do? Well, I think that at its core, what success has been for marketing back then is the same way as it is today. Like the job of marketing is to get people to adopt behavior, to get people to move. So that doesn't change, hasn't changed at all. Now we asked about the effectiveness, how, how, how much better, how better are we at getting people to move today than we are yesterday? It's kind of hard to tell because we're able to measure more today, at least theoretically measure more today. I guess we can empirically measure things better today than we could then. However, our ability to get people to move, I don't think has changed that great that greatly, largely because we have so much information, tons and tons and tons of information. However, our ability to extract insights from said information has only increased marginally. And that's part and parcel to the fact that we mistake information for intimacy because we have more information. We think that we know people better than we have before. And it's just not the case. And I think if we do a better job of taking the transparency that comes from the data, the information we have today, and apply more of the theoretical rigor as to why people do what they do, the underlying physics of human behavior, then the effectiveness of marketing will be far greater than it is today. Wonderful. So, so just talking about data a little bit, I mean, everyone's manipulating data, right? <laughs> so there's a book called Lying with Stats, and you can use data in any way you want to you want to use it. I think I, I read somewhere that Google did a survey where they, you know, they said our ads are, are very, very good, very good, pretty good, <laughs> almost good, <laughs> uh, not so good. And then, the, you know, the response was, you know, 80% of our, our stuff has a positive response. But that's often based around the question you ask. As a strategist, that must be something you deal with all the time, you know. Well, absolutely. I mean, the, the literature tells us the self-reported data is fundamentally flawed at right. very at its best it's extremely biased so as researchers in 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 practice you know we are the research instrument and we are most inclined to see reality by watching people in their their natural habitat in their environments right this is why we use ethnographic or netnographic research to observe people kind of go, you know, immerse ourselves in their cultural context, observe them living their daily lives and to help glean how they make meaning and how they navigate the decisions that they make on a day-to-day -day basis, right? So again, while the data provides more opportunity to observe them, we, the research instrument, have to get better at translating what we observe into something meaningful. Wonderful. Um, so the call to action for advertising is often to, you know, to, to sell a product or service or, you know, for consumers to buy a product or a service. Um, do brands have responsibilities to support other call, you know, calls to action around social justice or, you know, a lot of brands are talking about brand purpose these days. So what is, what is a brand's responsibility in that space? Well, I think brands 
bear a great responsibility that if we're going to leverage the effectiveness or the affects associated with a cause or or or, or an, an emotional tie, then therefore we have a responsibility to to pay mind to the implications of that. Right? We can't say we want to be a part of your life and we want you to have a relationship with us as a brand. We want you to love us, but also the care that you care about as a human. We have nothing to do with that. No, no, no. Does it work that way? So if we're going to leverage all of these psychological drivers, these sociological drivers, these anthropological drivers that we know that get people to adopt behavior, if we're going to tie into those things to get people to buy. Then we have to tie in those things to get people to, to, to navigate their world. Like we have to be as human on the, the outside as we are on the inside, right? We want to, we want to get people to, to want to tap people's humanity to get them to buy, we have to pay mind to their humanity beyond the transaction. And how do you think brands have changed on how they approach brand purpose? You know, say, you know, early on in your career compared to now. I mean, everyone is talking about brand purpose now. Before it used to be kind of CSR and kind of an afterthought. Now it seems to be front and center of marketing. Well, at the very least, it's what we talk about front and center of marketing. <laughs> it's, the veneer of it is certainly front and center. Because it seems to be the hot thing. I mean, this is something that advertisers, have, we do quite a bit. We jump on the hot thing. If brand purpose is the thing, then we're doing brand purpose until something else kind of comes comes around. But I would argue that the idea of, of being conviction-led, like led by some ideology, I think the strongest brands in the world have always done this very well. Um, I think that marketers have used the notion of brand purpose as another trick. And those those brands, I think, get called out very, very quickly when they don't live up to what it means to be purpose driven or to be conviction led. Conviction led is that I believe this no matter if anyone else does. Like I stand on this, even if it means I'm going to lose money because I believe it so uh, so fervently. Now, when brands who kind of posture uh, uh, social justice, they posture uh, these things that are purpose driven. When when things get tough, they go, "Ooh, I can't hang out with you guys. This is too much for me. I got to split." And those are the brands that reveal that they aren't really about it, right? They're not walking the talk. And the brands who stand stand firm in their beliefs, even when things get uncomfortable, those are brands that end up being the ones that we that we love. Those are brands we use to 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 communicate our identity because we know that, that there is stability in those causes that they stand behind and those messages that they make. Wonderful. Do you think, um, do you think brand purpose is important for companies of all sizes and, you know, from major companies to small businesses, or do you think it's particularly, you know, related to, to large corporations that, you know, sometimes have negative images because they're so large and face. Well, I think, I think for any brand, I mean, that what, what, what we know of the literature is that the strongest brands in the world, like the most strong, the strongest brands in the world, they transcend uh, awareness. People just know them. They transcend uh, uh, their perceived value of, or pre perceived quality of their products. They transcend leadership reputation. They transcend trust and confidence. They transcend imagery and, and, and associations. But the strongest brands operate at an ideological level. They see the world a certain way. They believe a certain set of, of, of they hold a certain set of beliefs and ideologies. And those brands, people consume from them beyond their value propositions, but because the brand's belief is congruent with my belief. And therefore, this brand is an identity marker, 
right? That is unbelievably powerful. And I would argue that if you are the biggest brand in the world to the, you know, to, to a person who's trying to present your own personal brand, if we start with ideology, those are the brands that win. I mean, what is the, the biggest brand in the world, right? One would argue Christianity. It's a pretty big brand, right? It is demarcated by a set of ideologies, right? So no matter how big you are to, to how small you are, you start with what you believe and you preach the gospel to people who see the world the way you do. And those people not only come, but they'll use your brand to communicate their identity and share with people who are just like them. And that's where we get brand working at the highest fidelity possible. So the answer is whether you're big or small, the purpose, conviction, ideology is, is I think, part and parcel to what we do. And uh, what, what current trends do you think in advertising do you think are here to stay? Obviously, we're talking about brand purpose at the moment. Do you think this is something that's a fad? Do you think brand, brands are going to have to um, triple down on brand purpose and almost spend their entire marketing budgets on showing the, the things that they do in social justice? I, I mean, prayerfully, inshallah, yeah, that'll, that'll, that would be awesome. Like if, that, if that's the case, that would be great. Because I think that not only what the literature tells us and what we know anecdotally and what I've seen in my own work is that when brands have a conviction, they have an ideology, those brands are far more successful, right? Those brands are, are, are far more impactful in what they do. And I think that if, if there are more case studies that show that, you'll start getting more brands kind of follow it like, hey, this has been proven to, to, to be working. But even beyond all that, the world might be a little bit better, right? There's more Patagonias in the world. They're not only selling widgets, but they're actually making an impact on the things that they actually care about. And I think that like, you know, it gets to the triple bottom line. And in that way, you know, it's beyond just commerce, but it's like doing business that actually impacts people's lives in a meaningful way. And I mean, I, the hope is that we all kind of want that. Right. And so, so what are brands that, that you know, make things that are <laughs> I mean, good for the planet or good for people, you know, cigarettes, um, oil, brands that produce a lot of plastic and haven't dealt with it. What, what are they, uh, you know, what should they be talking about? I mean, this is the, we, we make the products that people want. Right. And if the wants of the people change, then the products have to change. Yeah. Right. If, if people say, Hey, I'm voting with my dollars, that this matters to me, which means that people have to be convicted as well. I'm voting with my dollars. This matters to me. And therefore I'm only buying this. And if your company only sells that, then they're going to be, they're going to be selling this very, very soon. At least that that's, that's what economics tells us. Right. So the, the hope is that if we consumers really believe that these things matter, then that's where we start spending our time, our money and as a as a uh, as a proxy vote on what matters. And then companies will say, hey, we're following the market, the market response. We're following the market research. And therefore, this is what we do. Right. Um, how do you think brands should, should talk about brand purpose in an authentic way? We've seen the. You know, ways that they go, you know, that's been done really badly. I mean, we've yeah. all seen them. Um, which brands do you think are doing it right and why? So I think the way we talk about them should be less buzzwords and more truth. You know, we talk about authenticity all the time. You know, authenticity, like the way one scholar puts it, you know, authenticity is just about transcending context. That no matter the context, I'm showing up as as me. No matter the context, 
I'm going to preach the gospel for what I for what I believe. And I think that if we talk about purpose in that way, that we believe this, therefore we, we kind of obfuscate or, or subvert the the buzzwords that are typically associated with marketing communications and start getting to some truth. And I think about the brands who do this very well. I mean, it's like you think about the Patagonias of the world, think about Ben and Jerry's of, of the world, REI, Nike. I mean, these are brands that they have a very clear point of view. You know, Nike believes every human body is an athlete. And everything right. Nike has done as a brand has been about helping people realize their best athletic self. You know, these are the brands that even if even if a statement may cost them dollars, they go, but this is aligned with our conviction. You know, we talk a lot about like, you know, what are you passionate about? And I love that 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 word passion because it comes from the religious text. And what passion means is suffering. That's the etymology of passion. It's like, right. what are you willing to suffer for? That is, what are you willing to stand for even if everyone abandons you? I'm going to stand for this because I believe that it's the right thing to do. If we talk about purpose and purpose-driven brands from that perspective with that kind of lexicon, with that kind of Rosetta Stone, we start to put things into different frames. This isn't like, hey, you know, what's the, what's the catchphrase? What's, what's the, 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 uh, the headline? And more so, it's like, what's the ideology? What do we believe? How do we see the world? And therefore, this is how we show up in the world. What advice would you give to, to people who are looking to implement purpose in their brand? Oh, start with what do you believe? It's got to be true. Like, yeah. like, like, look in the mirror and ask yourself, what do you really believe? Like, and, you know, it always starts with the very superficial thing. You know, we believe that everyone should have a better life. Well, why? Why should everybody have a better life? Well, because we believe that it's a basic human right. Well, why do you believe that? And as we start to kind of pull back the, 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 the layers of the onion, we go a little bit further. You, know, you, you, do, you do a Toyota ask why five times. You start to get you some truth. You go, oh, this is why. Because I believe this. This is my worldview. These are the beliefs that I hold. And because I hold these beliefs, these are the stories that I tell myself, which is ideology. I mean, interestingly, not interestingly, I guess not coincidentally, I guess uh, uh, apropos. It is apropos that culture is the system of systems that start with my identity and then my beliefs and ideologies. And because I have these beliefs and ideologies, I don certain apparel, certain artifacts, I behave a certain way and I use certain language. And then I express them to some cultural product. It's all anchored with who we are, our identity, and then what are the beliefs and ideologies that we hold. And if we can look in the mirror and be honest with ourselves and say, this is what we believe, all the other stuff starts to become very, very clear. And then, how do you, what advice would you give for a controversial brand? I don't know, I'm just going to come up with one. The NRA, obviously controversial, very yeah. polarizing. Um, you know, you know, America, obviously Second Amendment and so on. But there's obviously issues on on uh, gun control and so on. Everyone talks about them openly. The NRA is very clear about this, that position. You know, what do you think they should be doing? Yeah, you know, so here, here's the truth. You know, I think the NRA and companies like the NRA – should just be truthful about who they are. I mean, you, you, you run into trouble when you try to, you know, you try to toe the line. It's right. like, look, you know, we believe in, we believe in the second amendment, right? And it's like, okay, cool. If you believe in the second amendment, then when black people who have a gun gets killed by the police for having a gun, why are you quiet then? Yeah. Oh, you don't really believe in the second amendment. You believe in the second amendment for certain kinds of people then. So like, let's get to the core of what we're really talking about. Right. If they just got to the core of what they're really talking about, though people would 
certainly not like them. They still don't anyway. They still don't like you anyway. At least you're being honest with yourself. You know, I, I, I you know, I, um, you know, I, I think about, uh, like it's like going on a date. You know, it's like uh, you go on a date with someone and you pretend to be someone that you think that person is going to like. And after the date, they go, uh, you know, I really enjoy myself. But like, I don't think this is a good fit. I'm looking for someone who's, you know, a little more serious. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm a very serious person. I was just trying to be funny. So that's what you wanted. And you find yourself out of sync. Right. So you don't need to yourself. Yeah. You just, exactly. You just be yourself. Like people are going to hate you anyway. <laughs> so you might as well, you know, be hated for being who you really are. You know, like, you know, people give Chick-fil-A a tough time for their, you know, their, their, their religious dogma and the points of view they have on social issues, at least what's been, what's been reported. But at the same time, you go, at least respect those guys that like, it's what they believe. They close their doors on Sunday. Like that's what they believe. That's who they are. I may not like it. I'm saying me, but you know, a person may say, I may not like it, but I respect it. Right. Respect that you stand for something and that you don't sort of toe the line and try to be something that you aren't. So what do you think? I don't know. What what should an oil company do or a cigarette company do? Because they obviously, you know, there's a lot of spin involved in those things. Oh yeah. I mean, and people have a lot of big issues with those guys. I mean, you know, for, for, you know, for cigarette companies, I think it's, it's like, you know, from way back in decades ago when, uh, when they were on trial, we were like, no, it, we didn't know our stuff kills people. It's like, yes, you did. Really don't did. lie. <laughs> Just don't lie. Yeah. Right. Like, yo, you know, uh, it was like, you know, you don't have a lot, you don't have a lot, of, you don't have a lot of kick it. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, just be who you are. And guess what? There's people who want to want you still. There's people who still smoke still, knowing that the, the, the repercussions and ramifications of smoking to still smoke. Awesome. Cool. Those are your customers. They, yeah. they, their, their eyes wide open and they're still making decisions. Great. Now, will this, your business grow? No. And it shouldn't because most people don't want it. Yeah. Right. But if you have to lie to get people to buy your things, then that's problematic. And oil's the same. I mean, you know, all the oil companies are saying we're fighting climate change, but they're not really. But that's there is right. an argument to be made that if you know if you cut off all the world's oil, I mean, look at what's happening now, you know, with Russia and Ukraine and so on. And, and that's right. Uh, I mean, you, there has to be a transition. Um, but it depends what the definition of a transition is. Is it five or ten years? Or I'm sure the oil companies say it's fifty years, you know. Right. And, and imagine if they had that, that straight-up conversation and said, hey, we realize that our product has some harm, harmful ramifications. It does. Exactly. But we know that we can't – it's like, you know, we live in this industrial revolution world, but we're looking into the digital world as well. And we got two worlds happening at the exact same time, right? Two worlds occupying the same space. And we go, we know what the future is, right? We know what we're trying to be more sustainable – but we have a business that's actually uh, fulfilling some needs today. And we're looking forward to the future. And here are our plans. If they said that, I think people would be like, we got it. Word up. Now, will people still be upset? Sure. But you can't please everybody, right? right. <laughs> but if these guys just say, hey, here's how we see the world. And here's what we're trying to do. Awesome. And well, you know, one of the arguments with the environment is actually nuclear power. <laughs> it's carbon free. <laughs> I'm just going to bring it up. And a lot of experts say that is actually the most efficient way. Now it's a lot safer. Obviously, you don't want to put it on the coast in an earthquake zone. I don't know who, what the, the Japanese <laughs> engineers were thinking. But, yeah. um, you know, it is notoriously safe now. And yeah. France, uh, France is, you know, 
tripled down on nuclear and Germany's got rid of it. And now they're dependent on the Russians. For exactly. Like yeah, yeah. Oil and power. So that's, I mean, so maybe someone needs to rebrand nuclear power. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and to your point, like, you know, rebranding nuclear power really is creating new meaning to the signifier that is nuclear power. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's what brands are. Brands are signifiers that conjure up thoughts and feelings about a company, product, person, institution, or organization. So when we talk about branding things and things having an ideology or a purpose, well, of course they are because brands are signifiers. They have meaning. And that right. meaning should be demarcated by its ideology. So if nuclear power said, hey, we see the world this way, some people will be down, some people won't. And realizing that that is just the reality of, of, of life, that you can't please everybody, I think we'll be far better off. I agree. Well, no one really wants a nuclear power station next to them or an oil refinery next to them. That's the, yeah. that's the reality, right? Or a coal mine. Um, exactly. we, all use, we all use electricity. You know, that's the, that's the challenge. Right. So wonderful. So it's been lovely. Thank you very much for, for joining us. And you've been very informative and, and, and great to interview. Thank you so My much. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. Learn more about Seville Productions and our work in the purpose and sponsored entertainment space at www.sevilleproductions.com.